Hello, I'm Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment. I'm Mike Foster, the entrepreneur's mentor. And you are listening to an edited version of Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike, uh, which airs every Sunday at 11am on DAB Digital Radio across Oxfordshire and online at getradio.co.uk. And our show introduces you to local trusted experts, whilst we also talk about topics that you, the listeners, tell us is impacting on local businesses and their owners. For copyright reasons, we cannot play the songs mentioned in the show. Uh, But for more info and business wrench related content, please do head over to getradio.co.uk. I definitely recommend it. Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Good morning. This is Get Radio and welcome to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. My name is Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment. And my name's Mike Foster, the entrepreneur's mentor. Now our show introduces you to local trusted experts whilst also discussing topical issues that are impacting on local businesses and you, the listeners, have told us that they're the topics you'd like us to cover. Now knowing today's guest, I can guarantee that there will be something for everybody today, but especially those looking to develop and grow their own business. On today's show, we look forward to welcoming back a guest who's been so well received last time he joined us, and that's the grown-up business coach, Paul Avins. Now Ben, my usual question for yourself, what are the best ways to grow a business? That's a great question, Mike. Um, and later in the show, we'll be asking Paul that as that question, um, along with lots of other questions, I'm sure, all around business growth and indeed the seven figure secrets. This is a business brunch with Better Mike. We'll be welcoming Paul after this. Get radio. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Um, today we're joined by Paul Avens. Um, welcome, Paul. Thanks for having me back. It's brilliant to be here, Ben. And thanks, Mike, for the invitation as well. Appreciate it. So, Paul, let's jump straight in. Um, do tell the listener um, all about you and indeed your business. So, um, yeah, thanks. Well, I mean, I've been business coaching and mentoring uh, and investing in companies for the last uh, 20 years. I've been doing this for over 20 years. I was probably um, one of the early business coaches in the entire industry in the UK back in the day when it started. Um, but I'm actually really an entrepreneur, first and foremost, right? So I've been starting, scaling uh, businesses since I was kind of 19, really, was when I started out on that journey of entrepreneurship. Um, some successfully, some not very successfully, and, and had a couple of failures and hard knocks um, on that journey as well, where I've lost everything in, in the process, as as well as making it. You uh, learn far more from the failures than you'd ever do from the successes. Um, and today, I own a group of companies that turns over you know, seven figures. Um, it's in the video. I've got a video production company, got a digital marketing agency. Um, and obviously I've got the core business for me is my coaching, mentoring and training company that uh, currently works with 55 entrepreneurs to help them scale businesses and exit for seven and eight figure life's changing sums of money. Amazing. No, great, great intro and look forward to building on that over, over the next hour. Um, but before that, um, often um, we find the toughest question because all of our guests are experts within their field. But the toughest question we all struggle with is our song choice. Um, so you have chosen a song for our listeners this morning. What is the answer to that tough question, Paul? Oh, see, this is see. I, I think basically I, I'm a frustrated DJ. If I'm honest, I think there's a part of me that is definitely a frustrated DJ. Um, so this is always a hard question. But I'm going to go with the song that we've kind of used now for pretty much every one of our events. So we run events here and overseas. Um, we run a, a big retreat uh, for nearly 100 entrepreneurs in Spain once a year. 
And then kind of two or three years ago, we kind of landed on a, a theme for us, which is, you know, our mission is to get entrepreneurs fired up, really, is the whole kind of the, get them fired up and ready to grow, right? So that they're in that right mind space as well. And the song I'd like to pick today really is kind of called Fire On Up, right, by the Paper Kings. And for me, it's 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 a, it's a it's not a common song. It's not known. But when you hear it, it's like, oh, it just speaks to every entrepreneur. It's about having the heart of a lion. It's about, you know, that diamonds are created under pressure. It's all of the things that I think we get to feel as entrepreneurs when we decide to step outside um, a step outside the kind of conventional box of you know have a career stay in you know get, build a build a career but go out and create your own life um, and that's strong it's just everything we're about right our, our events are about getting people fired up uh, and getting people excited about their life excited about their business excited about the opportunities in front of them so yeah that's that's a song that that we it's become a kind of like an anthem really at, at all of our events now Oxfordshire station Get Radio! Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike here on Get Radio. Now, before that song, chosen by Paul, the frustrated DJ, we heard an introduction of Paul and his uh, businesses and obviously the areas that he covers in terms of the specialism around business growth, but also his other business interests. Now, for the roundtable today, as we mentioned earlier, we're going to be exploring business growth and Paul's seven-figure secrets. But Paul, just before we jump into that, can I just explore with you, just for our listeners, what are the common challenges that you're seeing right now with your clients? Um, I mean, I think it's an interesting world, right? So 12 months ago, um, you had a massive availability of cash. Uh, you could raise money really easily. It wasn't an issue. Um, you know, everybody had money to spend. The market's very different today. It's it's a definitely a different marketplace. Um, talent is in in real short supply. Hence, wages are going up crazy at the minute. You've got that, and you've got cash being you know how much harder to get hold get your hands on. So, in terms of doing deals, raising money, um, you're having to be much more creative than you've than you've had to be probably for the last five or ten years. Um, certainly, we're at the different stage in the economic cycle. I've been doing this, as I said, for over twenty years now. So I've seen two of these um, kind of come and go, um, these kind of downturns, recessions, whatever you want to label it as. But you know, I tend to call it a, a correction because I think it's what it is. I think there was a massive oversupply of money in the market and that money needs to flush through the system. And that's going to change behavior. And I think you have to be aware of how uh, markets change and what you do in this cycle is very different to what you did a year ago. The strategies we were teaching clients a year ago that worked, that you know we had um, clients exit with over 27 million pounds of money in terms of of selling their companies last year, it's very different this year, right? So it's it's a very different market. Um, the the things that you do that worked even six months ago now are are different. But the fundamentals of how you scale a business to seven figures, which is really our you know my skill set, is how to get people to that one million pound level that less than ten percent of businesses in the UK ever achieve. And what you do today, okay, the tactics may change, but fundamentally the strategy in terms of like, where you're going, having those clear things like vision and values and building a core team and being able to solve a real problem for a customer, those things don't change, right? They're fundamentals. The, what's changing radically is how you communicate with customers, what customers want today versus what they wanted a year ago. Um, and also just like how how you put together compelling offers because ultimately as a skill set, as an entrepreneur, all of the money you want in your business and your life is currently in the hands of somebody else. That money is currently in the hands of you know somebody who isn't a customer of yours and your job is to create enough value and to convince them that you can solve a problem for them that they will exchange their money for right for your service your product your you know whatever you're able to deliver to them as a service or a product so how you communicate has changed massively 
But I think, you know, the challenges we're seeing today, talent one, it's a big thing, trying to get the talent, retain the talent. You know, we've had some really creative solutions done by clients of ours to do that. So how we're dealing with the kind of fallout from Brexit and steel and the supply chain issues and cash availability of cash to fund growth. Definitely are those are the three biggest challenges that that we're seeing across the marketplace and across it, it's different sectors. That it's the same no matter what the sector is. Mm. Re- re- really good start to the show there, Paul. Thank you. Um, something I just want to build on a little bit um, that I think would be really useful for some of the li- listeners, because I think a, a big part of business is about confidence, isn't it? Um, it, it really is. And, and you mentioned that you've been through two recessions. Yep. Is is this the same as past recessions? Is it better? Is it worse? And what <laughs> and will we recover? Is is there conf- should should business owners be confident about that future and be able to say, do you know what we will be okay in three or five or seven years' time, however long it takes? Yeah, it's it's a great question, Ben. I think um there's so there's a there's a there's a a whole piece around mindset, right? Which is like, if you're going to go out and start a business, you have to have what's called optimism bias, right? So if you didn't have optimism bias, there's no way in the world you would ever start a business. If you look at the failure rates of businesses, if you look at the survival rates of how many businesses make it past the first two years, you know, it's, it's you know, you're, you're talking less than 30 to 40% make it beyond the first two years. If you're talking five years or 10 years out, um, you, you're, you're really in the top five or 10% of businesses that start up. So if you knew those odds going in, you wouldn't do it, right? Like, so, and certainly certain sectors, like retail or um, restaurant industry, you know, with the current failure rates and closure rates because of overheads, costs, um, costs of fuel, things like that, you just wouldn't start unless you had an optimism bias. So entrepreneurs fundamentally have an optimism bias anyway. <laughs> we wouldn't do this, right? We just wouldn't, we wouldn't play the game. There are other asset classes you can invest in that are far, far better performing long term um, if you just look at it on pure paper. But it, it, so for most of us, it isn't a logical decision. It's an emotional decision based on something we believe in, something we really believe needs to change in the world or something we have a vision for that we want to bring about. So do I think, uh, do I think it will pass? Yes, because every cycle passes eventually, right? Like winter becomes spring doesn't matter some winters are longer and harder than others um, but spring always comes around nature has a cyclical nature and we tend to forget that and we tend to have the mindset that whatever's happening now is always going to be the same way so when it's good you saw this last year when it was really good everyone was like oh everything's going to stay like this forever it was a bubble right i've been around long enough i knew it was a bubble people who'd been in business 10 years could tell it was a bubble then bubbles burst and now we're out of that and everything's kind of um reformatting to use that phrase because i think that's where i feel it is the economy is reshaping and reformatting um at a a rate of knots that i've not seen in 20 years so does that mean there's a lot of uncertainty yes does that mean you can have confidence yeah you should have confidence right now your confidence has got to be in your ability to adapt to change to learn to grow that's where your confidence and your skill set wants to come from if you have a blind belief that if you sit there do nothing everything's going to be okay then you're going to be in trouble because ultimately you have to participate in your own rescue you have to participate in learning the skills today to grow your business in today's economy. Like if you don't learn those skills, then don't expect to be in a good place 12 months from now. But do you know what? You can learn those skills. They're they're absolutely there for, you know, the, the, the amount of free information that's out there now compared to when I started 20 years ago. You know, back then it, there weren't podcasts, there weren't YouTube channels, there weren't shows like this 20 years ago. Like to get information was hard. To get good information, right, is, is always challenging. The difficulty is if, if it was just about knowing more, we'd all be wealthy, successful, brilliantly married, have a six pack abs and look amazing, right? If it was just about not, if it was just about information, it isn't, it's about application. 
And that's why coaches and mentors like Mike and me, that's, we're here to help people actually apply what they're learning, not just learn, because that's one of the biggest myths you have to overcome as an entrepreneur is it isn't just about what you learn. It's about what you apply and take action consistently on. And for me, it's like, yeah, th th this is the and unlike any other downturn I've ever seen because of you know, the labor shortage because of the cost of um, uh, power and electricity. And, you know, like just, just that's never, I've never experienced that in my, I'm 52 and I've not experienced that in my life. And you've got labor shortages that we've never had to deal with before at the level we've had to deal with them because of Brexit and COVID and everything. You know, we know why this is a unique mix, but out of every, every adversity comes something that, you know, is a, a equal or greater benefit, but you have to be able to look for it and you have to be able to have a five or 10 year perspective. If you've got a six months perspective, you're going to, it's going to be a painful six months for you. If that's your perspective, if your time horizon is three to five years out, this will pass, right? And and the market will come back, and uh, you know, new new people will come into the market. And right now, it'll it, you have to have the belief in the longer term. But that goes back to step number one of the seven steps is about having the right vision. If you don't have the vision and, you sh and you're only focused on what's going to be the next next three, six, twelve months, it's going to be tough. And you can't. You know, that's the challenge. Most people are so short term focused they can't get through the short term pain for the long term gain. Fantastic. Well, let's build on that that first step of vision then, because um, I don't think it's overly easy, is it, for businesses to come up with that compelling vision? I think they can probably look forward and say what I'd like as a business. But how do you help businesses shape that compelling vision that you mentioned? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think it's evolved over the last kind of 20 years of doing this. And uh, for me, um, now we we teach clients to create what we call a visual vision. So it's, it's, it's we have them design it up with a graphic designer and show what it's going to look like five years out. But for me, it's very hard to come up with that vision if you're sitting in your office or you sat behind your desk, right? Like Because that's operational mode. That's why we take people to Spain for four days. Because if you put people in an environment like that, you have to shift their environment to shift their perspective on what's possible. So, you know, I'm big on communities, but a big part of my career has been about building communities of, of like-minded entrepreneurs, because if you can see somebody else who's higher up the mountain than you are, then it's easier for you to start to believe it and start to form your own vision of that. If you're, if you, if all you have is your own reference points, it's very difficult to do the whole kind of vision exercise, right? But it, for me, it's like you have to do the what if question. So for me, the most powerful question I use with clients is, well, what if? What if we could create a business that turns over 10 million? But what if we could? Yeah, but what if what if I could only work three days a week? What, what if? What if? Because the what if opens up possibility thinking at a different level than if you just say, well, where could we be in three years' time? Because now you're based on everything you currently know. And the future is created by all the things you don't know. If you had a business plan 12 months ago and it didn't include AI, guess what? Your business plan's out of date completely by now, right? Like <laughs> completely. So it's like, Again, it's that what if what if we could? Yeah, but what if we could? What if we could create the business that I've always wanted to with the lifestyle that I've always wanted? What if what would that look like? And start to get people into a state of you know, what does that look like? And then we can start to work backwards um to the to the when and who need who do you need on the team and then how do we do it? Most people in my experience go far too quickly into the yeah, but how would I do that piece? And I'm like, well, no, you need to stay in the possibility thinking and the what if. What if we could do this? What if we could have six sites? What if we could have, you know, um, you know, a million people following us on social? What if we could? What if we could do that? Right? Like suddenly you start to formulate a very different vision for your own life. But I'm a great believer: if you can see it, you can be it. It's a lot easier to be around entrepreneurs 
who are already doing great stuff and then get inspired by them and go, well, if they can do that, I, I can do this. I can surely get this. That I could do that. It's hard to do that sat in your office in the middle of winter, in the cold, in the dark, <laughs> in the rain. It's very hard to have an inspiring vision in those times of year, right? That's because mentally we're in that winter mode of just shut down and survive. And that's what's really hard at the moment in the economy is, is you've got to shift people's environment to shift their thinking. Amazing. Amazing. Um, thank you so much for your thoughts so far. We'll continue the conversation after this. The Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Um, today we're joined by Paul Avens um, to talk all about um, business growth and really... Um, I guess practical advice for you, you the business owner listening at home on, on how you can grow grow your business. Um, Paul, I just want to go back to to what you were talking about there and, and just build on that a little bit in terms of that what if and and, and that and that goal. Um, how how do you determine? Um, and maybe maybe something Mike might like to build on as well. But but how do you term, determine what your goal should be? Because I think society teaches us that we should have the biggest car, the biggest house, the biggest business. Like, how, how do you determine what goals are right, are right for you, the business owner? Do you, Mike, you want to jump in with your thoughts on that first? Um, I think very much it's around, you know, what's important, you know, your, your why and your purpose you know, for me in terms of um, identifying a little bit like looking forward. But, you know, I've just made some big decisions in my life and, and they're all really big, keeping me attached to my why and my purpose and what's going to deliver to that. And I think, you know, the, the goal, I think, in terms of certainly the businesses I tend to work with, um, you've got to make sure your business goals are aligned with your personal goals. And when I see some businesses that think that's disjointed, and I th- they're they're going to go in sort of probably opposite directions. So, for example, if I'm asset-based and I want a new car, I want to move house, or kids need to go to university and I've got to earn some extra cash, then the business has got to generate that for me. So my goals may be around cash generation. If I want a stress-free li- free life, or as Paul says, um, I want to work a three-day week, for example – then the business has got to be able to give me that. So my my goals would be sort of like probably focused around there. But Paul, over to yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, I think goals is an interesting question in itself because uh, for me, the vision the vision is where we're heading, right? So that's what we're building. That's the five. That's the ten year. That that's that's the mountain we're climbing, right? The the goal is like, okay, great, we're going to get to base camp by here. We're going to get to the, to this point by by here. But it has to be aligned with your life and. Um, you know, I've had a very painful experience of this um, in my own life where I, I chased a financial goal at, at all costs and was prepared to do whatever it took to get there and without realizing that whatever it took would nearly kill me. You know, like I ended up at 42 years old, having a serious heart attack, you know, being clinically dead for four and a half minutes and chasing down that goal was a goal that, the, that I had not figured out how to do it in a way that wasn't going to sacrifice my health as part of that goal. So I think there's a really, there's a dangerous narrative that is pushed on all of us. Um, and, and my industry is particularly guilty of doing this is by saying to everyone more is better. And quite often I, you know, I can tell you of clients of mine who've sold businesses for millions of pounds and they wake up the day afterwards and th- their life isn't radically instantly fixed. Yes. They've got more cash. They've got more resources, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're happier. It just means they've got a different set of challenges, right? You just have different puzzles to solve at different levels. And, I think the the consumption economy we've all been sold on, which has been built for decades, is is if you get more, you'll be happy, or you'll be happy when, right? I often say to clients of mine, just fill in fill in that sentence, finish that sentence. I'll be happy.
happy when my when what in my business and they'll always say well, when i'm making this much profit when I'm, and i'm saying well you can what if you chose to be happy now on the journey why are we waiting to be happy like what what if we could be happy and enjoy the journey and enjoy the process and our happiness is about choosing to enjoy the passage of time right that's the whole kind of point is enjoying the building experiences and i think the danger is if we get you know, there's nothing wrong with accumulating stuff. Like if you want a house, great. If you want a boat, fantastic. If you want uh, five cars in the garage, good for you. Go for it. It's your life. hundred percent support your vision of your life. But it's the danger is when we start thinking that those materialistic things will make us somehow emotionally happier as human beings. And that's just not the case. And the reality is actually that's the internal work, you know, that we need to do as, as, as entrepreneurs is to become you know, be able to deal with things without stressing about stuff, being able to be more, be more available for our family. If we, if, if that's important to us, being able to take time out to support charities. It's like, you know, I'm probably more proud of the fact that more, uh, I've got more clients who've created and started and funded charities in the last five years and almost anything else, you know, it's like to solve problems they were passionate about solving. Now they couldn't do that without money. And the vehicle was the money to get, gave them the money to, to do that. But it's about contribution. It's as much about what are you going to give back? Like why you're here on this planet? Like what's, what's your purpose as Mike brilliantly articulates? It's not just about to make money, right? Because, uh, you know, I said this on LinkedIn recently, I said, you know, passion leaves before profit, but profit always follows. If you're not passionate about what you're doing, you know, at some point you're just not going to give the energy that's required to maintain it and grow it. It requires a lot of that energy. And if you haven't got the passion for it, you shouldn't be doing it because you're not going to make any money at it, right? Like you've got to care about it. You've got to do it because you love the game, not because you're trying to just buy another house. They're just milestones, right? They're just, you know, they're just milestones. Great. If it motivates you, fantastic. But like, it's, that's your motivation. And it's like, don't think that that's going to make you happier just because you've achieved it. It will for about an hour or two, and then it will just become the house you live in by week number two, right? It's it's no different. It's like clients of mine, you know, you get a, you get a car you've been chasing for five years. <laughs> After about a week, it's just the car you drive every day. It doesn't, it's not, it doesn't make you happier. It's just an, an object that's now become a part of your world. And then you chase this, oh, now I need to go get a bigger one, a better one, a faster one. It's like, well, why? What? Why? What, what, actually, what? Why do we need to do that? What about what's missing in what's missing in you as an entrepreneur or as a human being? About what's what do you what do you think's missing right now in your life that would actually make you happier? And sometimes it's about a relationship, or it's about time with the family, or it's about you know getting back to things that you love and enjoy. And for me, that's that's what goals should be. They've got to they've got to be in that health, wealth, relationship, business. There's got to be in each one of those categories. If you just do one on its own, you risk doing what I nearly did, which was nearly sacrificing my health for my wealth. And trust me, at the end of that conversation, I would quite happily have changed them around. Wow, thanks for sharing that that story as well, and. Uh, you know, and I know how important all those different elements are are to you. So, thinking about your other secrets, then share share another one with our listeners in terms of uh, give us some insight into the next one. Yeah, so I'll give you a couple actually. So, one is you have to have what we call customer clarity. You have to be really super clear on who your customer is because picking the wrong customer can cost you an absolute fortune and picking the right customer can make you a fortune. So you've got to get really clear on who your customer is because the worst thing in the world 
when you talk to somebody as an entrepreneur, they say, Who, who's your customer? They go, everybody. And I'm like, oh no, that never, it's never going to work, right? So it's like you have to have customer clarity about who's your ideal customer, what is the problem they have, why is your solution better than everybody else's, but be really super clear on who you're talking to because you can't build an audience and you can't build a following if you don't know who you're trying to attract right so it's like that's that's a critical thing the other thing is you've got to really um one of the other skills is is to be able to create what we call compelling offers right so and there are there are about five different offers you need to be able to create but most most entrepreneurs are very good at creating product they focus on product not creating offers so they're not good at taking you know they're not good at promotion especially in this country we are la- we are embarrassed in the uk about trying to do anything that revolves around the four letter word which is sales right or five letters s-a-l-e-s isn't it sales right five letter words so you say to people i'm in sales it's like no 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 i'm a customer support manager i'm uh you know i'm an account director i'm anything else than in sales right whereas reality is sales is what makes a business work if a business doesn't have sales it doesn't have cash it doesn't exist so it's like you got to learn to make offers. You got to get like, how do you create irresistible offers that people just will go, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, count me in. Because if you get really good at creating offers, you don't need to be brilliant at salespeople. You just need to go, hey, listen, would this opportunity be good for you? Would this? Would you be interested in this? If and I'm not talking about discounting. That's not making an offer. I'm talking about how to explain and position value, or how to make an offer so that somebody wants to join your newsletter, or how to make an offer so that somebody wants to follow you on social media, on LinkedIn, or YouTube, or like they're all offers. And you got to understand the different kinds kind of offers and learn that kind of mastery around how to position value so that people go that that I, I need that in my life right that creates pull rather than push you don't have to go push your products and services because you create pull in the marketplace where people go i want more of that i, I need that that i need that in my life yep great please take my credit card uh can i have it <laughs> absolutely uh, a phrase i love is, is people love to buy we all we all love to buy everything don't we but we hate to be sold to so um so let's know it's, it's a really really great point um, i think so- there's a distinction on that though i think we love to be sold to if we're a salesperson i love it when it's like i can tell you great stories of people who sold i'm i'm easy to sell to because i love the process if i know no, no i don't like to be pressured there's a difference between pressured and being influenced and i think mm. You know, some of the best experiences I've ever had have been somebody who's who's taken me from being, I remember I was in Selfridges once and somebody took me from buying a GoPro, like I was chatting about buying a GoPro. Uh, two hours later, I walked out with a 2,000 pound TV. I didn't go in for a TV, right? But two hours... And here was the really hilarious thing, like the uh, and this is true story, right? So it was uh, Selfridges in Manchester and it was a Friday night and uh, I bought the 2000 man TV and I was going to drive back from Manchester ha- having not thought about the fact that the two seater sports car I had with me didn't have room in the back of it for a 50 inch TV. Right. So like, I'm st- and you know, those moments where you just realize it's happening to you. And I was like, I'd wheeled it out in, oh, I was really proud of myself. I'd bought this TV. I'd done this amazing deal in my head. Right. I'm sure he did a good deal in his head. I turned up at the car only to realize then that I now had this 50 inch TV. I'm in Manchester. It doesn't fit in the back of the car. It's eight o'clock on a Friday night. And I haven't thought this through <laughs> at that point. I'm like, okay. All right. This, this, I'm, I don't know how I solve this one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> on which one of your businesses does that salesperson work at now then Paul? <laughs> I, I would have hired them. I would definitely have hired them if they'd lived near Oxford without question. Right. <laughs> No, very good. Very good. Uh, Thanks so much for the call so far. We'll continue the conversation after this. Interviewing Oxfordshire's business leaders. This is the Business Brunch, sponsored by We Do HR Support.
Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. And um, today we're joined by Paul Avens um, to talk all about how you can grow grow your own business um, and things to consider. And um, so, Paul, we, we've touched on three of the seven steps. Um, yep. what, what's next to come? So for, for me, you have to be able to attract uh, and build a great team, right? So it's about building a dream team, building the team that's passionate. And, and I... I would say you want to find you know people with passion, people with passion in your business, right? Without question, and it's about building the right team dynamics. So, um, for me, I've often found um, with clients I've coached, this becomes one of the biggest sticking points as you start to scale up. So, if you're going to go and go on that seven figure journey, you want to build a million pound business or make a million pound in profit or a million pound exit. Uh, you know, the reality is the first thing any investor is going to ask about buying your business is who's your management team. Right, like, like if you're trying to sell your business and you don't have a management team, then you just have a job and your business has no real balance sheet value, and you're going to struggle to sell it. So, the reason that less than 16% of businesses in the UK that ever get put up for sale actually sell, one of the biggest reasons is because you know there are many, but one of them is they just don't have a really good team in place. So the business, the investor can't buy the business because without you, there isn't value, and that leads to all kinds of friction points down the road. So, you know, for me. It's a critical skill set. In fact, Harvard actually says it's one of the top three skill sets entrepreneurs need to learn, which is how to attract and retain really good talent. And that all comes down to building a culture. And for me, the model that we teach people is that you know, culture becomes critical once you start to get above 500,000, 600,000 turnover. At that point, now people want to work for an organization that has clear sets of values, you know, that, that there's a really you know, there's a real um, empowerment of the organization. There's a strong sense of accountability. People are happy to be measured because the measurement allows them to improve performance. It's not used to beat them up. And ultimately, this is what starts to create cult- a powerful culture. And and that then attracts other people because people say, oh, I'd love to work with you or I'd love to, you know, people stay, right? And, and there's so much data around Retention cost businesses so much money, or poor retention, should I say, cost businesses so much money with, you know, and I know you're in the recruitment space of solving that, but, which is absolutely amazing. But the challenge is that most people actually just don't hang on to the good people they've got, you know, and, and it's like actually you've got it's a skill set, right? You can learn how to build a culture. It doesn't happen randomly and automatically. And I often say to people, like, how much have you invested in training and developing your team? If you want the bit, if you want your team to double the size of the business, like how much have you invested in them in the last 12 months? And most people say, well, um, we do a bit of this, we do a couple of team days away. We do, you know, we do stuff like that. And I'm like, well, there's only really three things, right. In any business is talent, strategy, and cash. And it's like, you want to got the strategy, right. You know, you need to find the money to pay for the talent or the talent should bring you the cash. So it's like, you, your game talent is one of those critical things. Cash management's another, but talent is critical, right? And and, and in today's market, being as competitive as it is for talent, people can move for money, but they're more likely to stay for culture. They'll stay for culture. You know, I'm very lucky. I've got people that work with me twelve years, eighteen years. And why? Because I give them a lot of freedom. I give them a lot of autonomy, but I also give them their really clear roles, really clear goals. And, and, you know, we have fun doing this, right? Like if this wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. It's like, if you're not enjoying the people you work with, you shouldn't be working where you are, right? It it should be somewhere that everyone is enjoying playing the game. That doesn't mean you're going to win all the time, but you're enjoying playing the game. You can't win all the time. It's not real. That's not real life. So, Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. But if you as a team can enjoy playing the game together, then you're going to go a lot, lot further than you will on your own. 
And you mentioned t- talent dynamics, Paul. And I know, is it a business interest that you've got? In, yeah, team. Uh, well, I own, so I own a company called Team Dynamics. Yeah, team, yeah. that um, specialises in profiling um, leaders uh, and senior management teams, and then helping them recruit the right people for the right roles um, yeah. using that as a tool. So we use a tool called Contribution Compass. But yeah, Team. I, I just became so aware that it was a sticking point when you're scaling is finding the right people. And, and you know, Ben will know this as well from his experience is like, if you find a really good recruiter to work with, they're like gold dust, right? Like, cause like find someone who really understands your culture and can match to your culture. It, it's, it's money well spent, well spent. Yeah. And in terms of the contribution compass then, and obviously there's a, a other tools, but yeah. what, what do you focus on in terms of the, the contribution compass then in terms of you know attracting building and retaining that talent so i think i think this is this is the bit that was used to mess me up right when i was trying to build my business originally and and over the years is that we i don't know if anyone else listening has ever felt this but you see certain people in the media and you try and copy their strategy so you see an elon musk and you think i've got to be mega creative and do mad stuff and decide to go to mars and you know great Whereas, but you're not an engineer in your mind and that's never going to work. Or you do Branson and you think I've got to go and do PR and be on, on, you know, doing crazy stuff on TV. Or, you you know, you're looking at Warren Buffett and you're thinking, okay, I've got to be a real great analytical person. The truth is those things worked for those individuals. And the key thing, the first thing I do with every client is teach them what they're brilliant at, what their maximum contribution is, and then who they need around them to do all the things that they hate. Because actually the first thing, you know, most people, most people are one good hire away from the next level of growth they want in their business. Most people are one hire away. The challenge is that they're holding back on it because they're not sure exactly either who, the, who to hire or they're afraid or they don't think they can afford it. Or there's a limiting belief about whether, you know, the business is ready for it. And in my experience, as long as you stick to the recruitment rule I've used for ages, which is if you can afford the person's salary for three months at 50%, then hire them. Because if they're the right person, they're going to easily pay for the other 50% in terms of the amount of time they should give you back and the skills and knowledge they're going to bring in that would have taken you years to try and acquire. And it's like when you realize your job is to get out of boxes, not to stay in boxes, and you play that game, suddenly you can scale really faster. But it's about understanding and having the right tool to be able to go, okay, great. We're at this stage in the growth journey. We need this person on the team, and this is the profile that fits with the team we've got, the team dynamics that we've got. Every lead is different. Every team is different. Therefore, you need different people at different stages of the journey. And as the business gets bigger and scales, you're going to need people with a lot more kind of systems, mindset, thinking, procedures, much more structural in that. Whereas in a startup or a sub 250, 300,000 pound business, you need more creativity. You need more action orientators. You need people who can multitask, do different roles. But as the organization develops, you need more specialists and it, it just evolves at different levels. So for me, it just became, well, look, that's, that's a blocker to helping people scale. So let's create, let's create a solution to that problem. Brilliant. Ben, is there anything you, uh, obviously talent is your game. Anything you want to add? Yeah. Yeah, um, for, for me, I, I think I would um, just just echo um, a couple of pieces that that Paul Paul said um, that, that I build on is is one in my experience. I think um, culture is absolutely key, um, and I think that the biggest cost of recruitment is when it goes wrong, um, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, lo- losing your best person within your team will always be so much more expensive um, than um, than. Or so much, so much more expensive than 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 not. Um, but but I think secondly to that, um, in terms of hires and and 
I think the biggest reason that hires don't work out is around miscommunication and interview process. Um, and whether it be the employer making the job sound a little bit different or the candidate making their skills sound a little bit different. Um, and then actually, I think in my experience, the biggest reason people leave jobs is because they haven't got a mountain to climb up. So to, to use Paul's mountain analogy earlier, that doesn't necessarily mean more money or that doesn't necessarily mean more seniority. But actually, I think the second one of your team feel that they're still or there's nothing more they can achieve in averted commas that's the point where you've lost them and there's stats out there um i can't remember the percentage wish i'd prepped on this but a huge huge percentage the second one of your team looks at other jobs a huge percentage um even if they do decide to stay will leave within six to 12 months and that's the point where it becomes expensive um so no thank you for that but, but that's that's interesting isn't it because in my head to me it's like well, I talk about brightness of future. People have got to feel they've got a brightness of future. There's somewhere for them to go and there's somewhere, some way for them to grow. And as leaders, if we're not growing, it's very hard for us to grow, create a culture of, you know, if we don't believe in investing in ourselves, then it's very hard for us to create a culture where we invest in other people, right? I remember having a conversation with a CEO once and and he said, oh, he's very proud. He said to me, listen, we spent you know, tens of thousands of pounds every year. We're investors in people. And I said, great. How much have you spent on your personal development in the last 12 months as a leader? How much coaching have you had or how much have you, how many courses have you done? He just looked at me, this like stunned fate. He's haven't done anything. I said, well, if you're the person leading the organization, shouldn't you be the person who's investing the most in terms of growing your skills, knowledge, and ability? And then the penny kind of dropped for him. And he was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I missed that. And the best, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got, and it served me, and it served me for decades, is like 10, 10% of everything you earn for the rest of your life and invest it in training you. Like I've got coaches, I've got mentors, I'm doing another training course in two weeks' time on another skill set I want to develop. Like you, you're the product, right? You realize you're the skill set, you're the driver, and it's your job to keep getting better and improving every year. I, I've been doing this 20 years. If I let my skills just stagnate at the same level they were 20 years ago, I'm sure Mike could agree with this too, is if you like, I couldn't continue to add value to clients of mine who've been with me for 10 years, 14 years. I have to get better so that I can contribute more. And it's like, that's a never ending game. And the minute you realize that mentally, it's like, oh, okay, all right, okay, that's that's the game we're playing, right. Amazing. No, really, really valid. Um, we are just coming to the end of the show. Um, so um, I'm going to set you a challenge, challenge, Paul, um, and I want to put you under a bit of pressure. Um, so um, what is what are the remaining, um, fly through the remaining of the top seven tips, if that's okay. <laughs> um, but we do have a couple of minutes. So I, I'll give you... I'll give you a couple of, because it kind of leads on to number a couple of things we just talked about, right? So there is absolutely clear, you need to have a strong profit model, right? You need to know where the money is, you know, what I call a money map. You've got to have a really clear money map in the business. Like what, what actually makes you money, what doesn't make you money, right? And you've got to be really clear on that. Because if you scale and you focus on the wrong products, you can create all kinds of issues, right? That's one. Um, you've got to have a clearly articulated and very o- obvious um, customer journey. So the customers come through into your into your um, business and they migrate up, right? So, or you know, you've got a clear customer journey. Somebody buys this, then the next logical thing for them to purchase is the next one up. And there's a clear customer journey so that when you're making the offers we talked about earlier, you know the offers you're making because they're moving people up the customer journey. It's not random. It's not all over the place, right? Which is which is all part of that kind of like customer clarity piece. So it's the customer journey is 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 within that, right? The other thing is it's about your peer group. The most dangerous thing, and I was reading some terrifying stats on the plane flying back was about um, recently was about loneliness and entrepreneurs 
actually report higher levels of loneliness and isolation than just about any other profession. And it's because if you're working for yourself, who do you talk to if you're worried about stuff? You don't want to go home and t- talk to your, your your spouse or your partner because you don't want to worry them. You sure as heck, if you're worried about the business, don't want to talk to your team. So it's like, for me, it's like, you've got to get a peer group. Like one of the things about scaling up is you've got to get around people who can support you, right? Whether that's in a local network, whether that's a, you know coming to networking meetings or joining a formalized mastermind or just, you know, you've got to get around other people who can support you on that journey, whether it's open doors for you or teach you things or, you know, like just, you know, open doors being a great example of a networking organization in Oxfordshire, right? So like, yeah, for me, it's about like you have to get yourself around a peer group of people who you can support and give back to as much as can support you because isolation is the most dangerous thing. If you try and climb a mountain on your own to fin- go back to the scale up summit for a second, you know, if you're trying to climb a mountain on your own, the chances of survival are terribly small because nobody does it alone. We need other people to go on this journey with, right? And it's that it's that you've got to get around a peer group of people who can support you when you're down, pick you up, dust you off, celebrate when you win, because that's hard too, right? As an entrepreneur, if you have a big win, who do you go talk to about that? Because there aren't, unless you're in a community of like-minded people, it's hard to go share that with, right? You can't go down the pub and tell your mates you just won a two million pound contract because they're going to expect you to pay for everything for the next six months. So, like, <laughs> but you, you know, you need to be in an environment where people understand you as you know a tribe, your tribe, your community. We call it a community, but your tribe. You've got to find that. Who, wherever it is and whoever it is that resonates with you, but find your tribe and hang out with people who are who are on the same journey as you. So you can go, I feel this. And they go, oh yeah, been there, went through that one. Don't worry about it. You'll get through it. Here's what we did. Oh, okay. It's not me. Then I'm not the issue. No, you're not. And, and I think that for me, that and the mindset are the two things. 80% of success is mindset. It's all mental. It's your ability to, to handle adversity, difficulty, you know, rules changing on you every two minutes. Your ability to do that, and your ability to to be part of a community and and get that, and not and be okay with asking for help, because I think too many of us think we got to figure it all out on our own. And I did that for way too long in my life. I just way too long in my life. I was trying to figure it all out myself, and I was like, when I realised how much time and effort that had cost me, I was like, the minute now I want to know something, I'll just I'll, I'll message somebody and say, well, can I buy an hour of your time? Teach me how to do this. You know how to do that. You're where I want to be. How to you know how do I get there? You're already there. T- show me the path. Show me the way. What what am I missing? Right and like start to value time. Honestly, it's one of the seven figure secrets is start to value your time differently and start to invest money to save time. That that for me is like the minute you get that distinction, suddenly it's like okay, great. I've just got to find the people who are where I want to be and ask them what they did and how they got there and and that because that's the game we're playing, right? Time's the great enemy, not money. Amazing, amazing. What what a great piece of advice to end the show. Um, but we are at the end of the show, so thank you, um, Paul, for joining us and for sharing your yeah knowledge and expertise with with you, the listener at home. So thank you, Paul. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you very much. I hope you got everybody a bit fired up today. <laughs> Thanks again, Paul, for, for myself and uh, for the listeners. You know you've been listening to The Business Brunch with Ben and Mike here on Get Radio. We are going to be back next week uh, with some new guests and some new topics as per your requests. And if you have a request, do please keep dropping that into Get Radio so we can build our future shows of interest to you. And just that reminder that the show does go out um, on the radio each uh, Sunday at 11 o'clock and you can catch that on DAB or online and the po- podcast format comes out on Monday and the video format comes out on Tuesday but for now enjoy the rest of your Sunday and we'll see you next week <laughs>